At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition. Hornets come up a little short on night two of a back-to-back, hosting the Denver Nuggets. It was a 113-109 final. We will break down the game, give you our Silver Linings selections. Also talked about the rest factor. There's only one back-to-back remaining on the schedule for the Hornets. If they win it, it'll be just their second win on night two of a back-to-back. It has been a tough, tough part of the season and definitely a big part of the storyline for the Hornets. We'll break it down and do some scoreboard watching. What are the games to watch while the Hornets finally get a day off? Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo. And Rob, in a lot of ways, this is a heartbreaking game. 113-109, to the final against Denver. I don't think going into the season we had this one circled as absolutely Charlotte's going to beat the reigning MVP on night two of a back-to-back. But at the same time, when it got to crunch time, the Hornets had opportunities and were unable to cash them in. What are your thoughts on the loss? Well, they certainly had plenty of opportunities down the stretch, and the longer this game went on, the more you thought that the Hornets had a chance in this one, really. I mean, the way that it shook out, like you said, we kind of maybe look at that as a schedule loss, going up to Brooklyn, facing a very difficult Nets team, and then coming back and facing Denver the night before, but the Hornets hung tough, led this one going into halftime, faltered a little bit down the stretch there in the third quarter, got outscored in the frame by 10, and that was kind of the undoing, but just so much happened in that third quarter. Montrez Harrell got tossed for... Uh, for something. I'm not going to get too much into the weeds of it. I'm sure we will here in a few moments, but he got ejected with 3.59 left to go. That was an eight-point game at that point. Denver had the lead and all the momentum in the world. Hornets, give them credit, though. They had a really good fourth quarter. 
outscored Denver by five. It just wasn't enough. Not quite one of those ones where the Hornets didn't lose. They just kind of ran out of time, but it was pretty close to it as uh, the way that it shook out. But yeah, plenty of opportunities down the stretch for the Hornets. They got it within one. Just couldn't get a bucket there in the last couple minutes, and that's going to happen. I mean, team was 5-0 and in clutch time in the month of March heading into this one, but night two of a back-to-back, the legs start to go a little bit. The three-point shooting wasn't the best and just was a little bit of a recipe for disaster. And we'll talk about the back-to-back factor later here, and we will talk about the officiating. First, though, let's hear from Hornets head coach James Borrego about a good fight from the Hornets Monday night. Yeah, that was good energy. I mean, our group battled on a back-to-back after a very emotional road game last night against a very good team and uh, and a very good win. You know, these are tough games to come in, and I thought we battled. We gave ourselves a a chance to win against a very good team, a top-five team in the West again. We just got to stay with it, keep battling. Can't say much more than that. I, I agree. I think James Borrego, head coach of the Hornets, is a good way about refocusing things on things the Hornets can control and ignoring the things they can't. So a couple of things to bring up here before we bring up uh, our earring of grievances here on this uh, not-quite-festivist evening. Hornets saw a great performance from Nikola Jokic. He played like the MVP candidate he is, 26 points, 19 rebounds, 11 assists, an overwhelming positive in his 35 minutes on the floor. Can't do anything but tip your cap and show respect to the Randy. MVP because he played like it. Also, phenomenal start to the game for Aaron Gordon. 17 points in the first quarter. He really set the tone, gave the Nuggets that early run. Charlotte was able to come back, took the lead at halftime, really minimized the deficit later in the first quarter, but there's no denying Aaron Gordon's superhuman start in his third straight 20-point performance helped Denver get this win. And the tired legs for the Hornets. We'll talk more about the back-to-backs later, but Charlotte shot 50% from three the other day in Brooklyn. They were 31% from three last night. So clearly the tired legs, a factor for Buzz City in this one. All those things, I think, are the overarching themes of the game. And were it not for the grievances I'm about to bring up, would be plenty enough reasons to explain away, not excuse, but explain away the loss. Well, one more thing that just simply can't happen. I know you got a guy like Nikola Jokic on the other side. He had five offensive rebounds as a team. Denver had 17 offensive boards, resulted in 32 second chance points. That just simply can't happen. I know it's Nikola Jokic. I know he's a beast on the boards. Aaron Gordon had five offensive boards as well. A lot of those came early in the first quarter, but just too many second chance opportunities. Very good and fair point. We knew going into this one, you know, Denver is an elite rebounding team. The Hornets have not been. Charlotte was able to overcome that against Utah. They clearly did not do that last night. Very good point. Here's the stuff where we get to the airing of grievances. There were a lot of questionable calls in this game. And beyond the calls, in my opinion, not being particularly strong, the free throw disparity is eye-popping. One free throw attempted by Charlotte in the second half. Denver attempted something like 16. End of game, Nuggets were 21 of 28 from the free throw line. Nikola Jokic alone was 8 for 12. Charlotte as a team was 8 for 12. This is not college or high school basketball where you see teams that have very different strategies or skill levels. This is the NBA. Everyone is on more or less a a similar not equal, but similar athletic plane and strategy. They're going to go to the lane. Charlotte attacks the paint as often and as aggressively as anyone in the NBA. I refuse to believe there was only one free-throw-worthy call for the Hornets in the second half, and by comparison, an avalanche in favor of Denver. Well, just look at the points in the paint. The Hornets had 58 points in the paint. Denver had 54. 
those are pretty even, but even if you have 58 points in the paint, that tells me you're attacking the rim. That tells me you're going to the hole pretty aggressively. So, I mean, the free throws, that's the biggest disparity for me because the other part about that too is the fact that the Hornets only shot one free throw. That came in the third quarter. Denver, I know got in the bonus midway through the fourth quarter. So of course they were going to go to the free throw line a little bit more. 15 of their 16 free throws in the second half came in the fourth quarter alone. That's the problem I have. I understand that there's instances where there's a little bit more fouling going on in the game and the Hornets are a little bit more prone to that. just just kind of the way it is. But I mean, the fact that you're able to have 15 free throw attempts in the fourth quarter and Charlotte doesn't have one, that just blows my mind. The other thing that I thought was really a game changer was the ejection of Montrez Harrell, Charlotte Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, Rod Boone, was the pool reporter, spoke to the crew chief, Bill Kennedy, after the game about the ejection. Question, what was the reason for Montrez Harrell's first technical foul? Harrell was assessed his technical foul for stepping over his opponent, Austin Rivers, in an unsportsmanlike manner, resulting in a taunting technical foul. In my opinion, that is an extremely aggressive call. It was not called in the moment they did that on the monitor after the review in my opinion you just don't see those added in after the fact so uh, to say letter of the law or whatever he might have stepped at an angle he did not step over austin rivers i think that's a bad technical next question why was harold assessed a second technical foul and ejected answer harold and gordon were assessed double technical fouls for physically taunting each other resulting in an ejection of harold so again i agree with that they were chest to chest you got to tee him up I get it. That should have been even. I do not think if you're not going to call it on the floor in the moment for a quote-unquote step over that you should call it off the monitor. That was a huge game-changing decision. Montrez Harrell to that point, nine points, and more importantly, a plus seven in the plus-minus. He was winning his minutes. Definitely changes the way the Hornets defend Nikola Jokic, play out their bigs rotations. A huge, huge game-changing call. And a game that was decided by four points, the free throws plus Montrez ejection, I think, loom larger than they really should have. But that being said we got to find the silver linings and everything, Rob Longo. Let's go to it. You're the guest. You get to pick first. One more thing about this whole ejection thing. Think back to the most famous step over in NBA history. Could you imagine if they called a technical in the NBA Finals when Allen Iverson stepped over Tyron Lue against the Lakers? Totally agree. And to I, the, that was more aggressive, obviously. It was more aggressive. And, and look, I think there is a level of inconsistency yes. on these calls that needs to be flushed out a little bit. We see sometimes a player gives the too short symbol. It's an instant T. Other times, a guy can bark in someone's face. Nothing. We've seen, you know, this was... Think I guess, about the Toronto game this year when P.J. Washington got ejected early. Yes. I mean, there, there that are... That flipped the game on its head, too. It certainly did. So I would just prefer it if the league would say, hey, if this is a letter of the law call, fine. Say that. Make it that. Call it consistently. If it's not then let's get a little bit of the subjectivity and the the variations game to game out of the game just my opinion what's, Off a, my what's a catch by the way what <laughs> that's pretty much what we're at anyways all right silver linings time we're getting off the rails a little bit here i gotta go with isaiah thomas i think it played a really good game coming off the bench he was a plus 14 12 points three ball was not really on today one of four but the floater was working a little bit five of 12 from the field I thought he was that guy that has kind of filled this Gordon Hayward role a little bit coming off the bench where the Hornets if they are in a scoring drought they need a bucket just to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit I think Isaiah Thomas has done a really good job in that role coming off the bench getting a tough basket when this team needs it and he did that a lot last night with 12 points and a positive in the plus minus at plus 14. You know I like the pick I wasn't off expecting the beaten, the, off I, the beaten path a little I bit. I wasn't expecting that pick. I like it though. Isaiah Thomas has played really well. I, I like what he's doing, both in terms of his personal production and how he opens up 
room for rest for LaMelo Ball, who had his 100th career start last night. So he's still very much in the early stages of his career. So giving him opportunities to find some rest, particularly on night two of a back-to-back, is big. I wasn't expecting I light the pick, so I'm going to let you play this highlight here while I figure out who I'm going to pick of the, the two, what I would say are the obvious ones, Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. LaMelo, four on the shot clock, throws the lot for Bridges, and he'll throw it down with two hands, downright diabolical from the Airbnb tandem. Miles Bridges was big, 27 points, 11 rebounds, but I'm going to give it to the guy making the pass there. LaMelo Ball, 22 points, 11 assists, his ninth consecutive game with multiple made threes. That three-point shooting has really opened up some things here for the Hornets, and I think that is the X factor that gives me the reason to give him the nod over Miles Bridges. Bridges really competed hard, played good basketball, was the team's leading scorer, the game's leading scorer, but two for 10 from three, missed some open looks. LaMelo Ball missed some, too. He was four for 11, not much better, but he was better at the end of the day. So LaMelo Ball, my selection for our Silver Linings player. All right, let's put this one in the rearview mirror. Hornets now 39-37. and 37. They drop back to ninth in the Eastern Conference. Half game back of Brooklyn heading into action today. And, I might add, only a half game up on the Atlanta Hawks for the number 10 position. Things awfully tight at the tail end of the play-in tournament. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the rest factor. Charlotte now 1-13 and 13 on night two of back-to-backs. What's some of the reasoning? What can be done about it? We'll break it down next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Finishing how you want to would definitely been a win. And I feel like, like I said, being saying a big part on that was the rebounds, second chance points. If we would have covered that up, I feel like we would have been, we'd been smooth. LaMelo Ball, after last night's loss to the Denver Nuggets, talking about what he thought were the main missed opportunities. And, and I have to agree with him. The rebounding disparity was huge. Charlotte had some shots to win the game, or at least take the lead in the late stages of the fourth quarter, and came up a little bit short. And, of course, there were those uh, airing of grievances that we had last segment, but uh, we're going to move on from that. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, the thing he didn't mention, and he shouldn't, because it's a, a factor for every game, but it is a factor in this one, the rest factor. Charlotte and any other team in the NBA is always going to be at a disadvantage when you're at a rest disadvantage. When you're on night two of a back-to-back and your opponent was sitting there waiting for you. The team the Hornets beat most recently, the Brooklyn Nets, they're 2-11 and I believe now on night two of back-to-back. So even teams that are considered title contenders struggle in these types of situations. Charlotte is not unique to that. But 1-13 is worse than you would expect. And there's no getting around that. Hornets now 1-13 on night two of a back-to-back. And I think it factored in this one. Charlotte was above 50% from three in the win over Brooklyn, 31% from three against Denver. If they have their normal rest, I firmly believe a couple of those threes go down and Charlotte probably wins this game. But in this particular case, Rob, I don't know that you say this is an inexcusable loss because Denver does have an MVP on their side. But I think that if it was played at even strength, let's just put it this way, I'd like to see that game. 
I would like to see that game, and I would like to see Montrez Harrell not get ejected from it. All right, I am finally done with that. But at any rate, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things where you look at the overall record, and it's a little bit confusing why the Hornets only have one win on the second night of a back-to-back. But then you look at kind of the travel involved, the teams that they've had to play on the second night of these back-to-backs. I mean, there's some home and road ones that are tough ones in there. You go all the way back to November. There's one where they play Indiana at home, which you know looks like a pretty good win, and then they got to go to Atlanta, and Atlanta's been really good on their home court this year. Then you go into December and you look at some of those back-to-backs. Atlanta on the road, which we thought was a surprising win at that point in time because pretty much half the team was out due to health and safety protocols. And then they go home the following night and take on the Philadelphia 76ers. And then you go to that West Coast swing where they were in Phoenix the night before, and then they have to go to Utah, deal with the elevation change and that sort of thing. Some of the other back-to-backs in there that are really notable the one just a couple weeks ago at the beginning of March, two home games, but they were against Brooklyn and Boston where there were superhuman efforts by Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum. So when you take a look at it, I mean, it's just, I don't want to call it an unlucky schedule for the Hornets, but some of these back-to-backs are just absolutely brutal. And I understand that every team has to deal with this for the most part in the league. Of course, some have more back-to-backs than others, and that's just kind of way that the schedule happens. But for the most part, some of these are almost, I don't want to say impossible, but they're really, really difficult, especially for a younger team. They are, and a lot of the ones you brought up are not ones I have circled as games that you should count on the Hornets to win. I think there is some fatigue factor in general for this team, both not performing well on night two of back-to-backs and not performing well in overtime. Charlotte's 0-7 in overtime this year. So those two put together, and some of them there is some overlap, four of the Hornets' losses on night two of back-to-backs did come in overtime. Home versus Boston, home versus Philadelphia, road versus the Lakers in Houston. The Houston one, we thought at the time was atrocious. It it really was. Uh, The one against the Lakers seemed a bit more understandable at the time. Now maybe less so, but back then they were healthier. They they had a lot more of their pieces, so I think uh, that one's worthy of an explanation. But I do fundamentally think this is stuff that will be cleaned up with experience. Uh, I don't know that you can count on any team to have a winning record night two of a back-to-back unless you are so overwhelmingly better than most of your opposition a la the Phoenix Suns this year or Memphis this year. If you're a 50-win team or 55-win team, you're probably winning the majority of these games. Everyone else, you would anticipate a losing record. So I don't know that this is going to be a category that the Hornets have a winning record necessarily in next year, but I certainly don't think they're going to go 1-13. and And looking ahead, Charlotte has one more back-to-back on its schedule, and that one's not easy either. The Hornets are going to be home against the Orlando Magic in the third to last game of the season and then play their final road game the next night in Chicago against the Bulls and we'll see what exactly is at stake for Chicago how motivated they will be at that point in time to need a win in that one so one more back-to-back remaining for Buzz City hopefully they'll get the win because 2-13 and looks so much better than 1-14 and but at the end of the day I think this is a category that the Horns can learn from it's a young team I think they will be stronger for the experience and certainly better in this category come the 2020 2022-2023 campaign. This season, however, not over yet. Hornets in the thick of it right now in the play-in tournament. They're not eliminated from the seventh seed, but the odds are getting longer. Can they get back up to eight? Well, they honestly could, based off tomorrow's results. Not likely, though. We'll tell you why as we check out scoreboard watching next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. 
You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Get better at each game, you know. Control what we can control. You know, we want to win games that we're supposed to win games and, and be in every game that we're playing. You know, it's going to be a tough road trip, but we're ready for it, and we're playing our best basketball right now, so I'm not I'm not really worried. Hornets set to take off on a three-game road trip in Miles Bridges, the leading scorer from last night's game with 27 in the loss. So right on the money. you got to control what you can control. can't rely on teams to win or lose and help you out, and that certainly will be the case today as we take a look at scoreboard watching. Myself, Sam Farber, alongside Rob Longo here with you on this edition of the HHC. All right, Rob, two games that really pertain to the Hornets, the most obvious of which involves the Brooklyn Nets. They're a half game ahead of the Hornets. Charlotte does hold the tiebreaker, so if Brooklyn were to lose, Hornets go right back into eighth place. However, Brooklyn's playing the Detroit Pistons. Pistons are 20-55. and 55. They're terrible on the road. So Brooklyn more likely to go to a game up ahead of Charlotte with the win as they'll be the heavy favorites. And I might add... Hornets really can't rely on any help from here on out because Brooklyn, statistically speaking, has the easiest remaining schedule. They do have some more difficult games against the Milwaukee Bucks coming up, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've got to play the Atlanta Hawks. They also have this game against the Pistons, and they're still going to play the Rockets and Pacers, as well as the New York Knicks in a interborough battle. And at the time that they play New York, it'll be... Three games left in the season. There's a high probability New York will already be eliminated and thus have a little less incentive to send out their uh, full troops worth of players. That said, it'll be night two of a back-to-back for Brooklyn, so we'll see how that one pans out. Of course, not having to leave New York helps their action in the back-to-back, but going back to what Miles said, control what you can control. You can't control the schedule. Everyone has to play the same set of games, relatively speaking, and this is an easier stretch here for Brooklyn. There's no getting around it, so I think you have to live with the thought that you're likely going to be one game back of Brooklyn come the end of business today, and if you get some help from Detroit, that's great, but you can't count on it. Yeah, I mean, well, Detroit is one in four in its last five, so law of averages got to pan out at some point, right? They got to pick one up, but, you know, I'm just trying to be optimistic here. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think when you take a look at Brooklyn's schedule, that game against Atlanta could be really, really huge when you think about it. I mean, that could be almost maybe for home court in a playing tournament for the 9-10 matchup. Knock on wood, cross our fingers and our toes for the Hornets. But, I mean, overall, the schedule today, not a whole lot inducing. You have the one where Chicago is in Washington to take on the Wizards. Of course, Chicago is on the second night of a back-to-back, so that adds a little bit of a wrinkle in there as well because technically the Wizards are not eliminated yet. They're a half game behind New York for 11th, so you know, still still some ground to make up. I mean, it's pretty much win and get some help for those two teams right now, but those are kind of the two games that have an impact directly with the Hornets in a sense between Magic Number and trying to get some help with a Brooklyn loss. But then the other game tonight, too, to take a look at is Milwaukee and Philadelphia. That one is just for seeding purposes of course in the top six both of those teams have identical 46 and 28 records they are both a half game behind boston in miami for first place in the eastern conference and again we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago but it's never too early to take a look at who your potential opponent could be in the playoffs but that could very well go to see who gets the two seed who gets the one seed and who the hornets might be playing in the first round of course 
all that knocking on wood. That was knocking on my head, by the way, because it's hollow. <laughs> Hopefully the Hornets have that to worry about. Yeah, I think the more important game to watch outside of Brooklyn is, is Washington versus the Bulls. If Washington loses, Charlotte needs just one more win or one Wizards loss to ensure that the Hornets can't be caught by Washington. Of course, the last game of the season is head-to-head against the Wizards, so Hornets have uh, plenty of time to take care of business on their own right between now and then. But still, just to mathematically put it in the rearview mirror, would be helpful here for the Hornets. Most importantly, one, the, the Brooklyn game. We'll see what the result is. The Nets, even though they do statistically have the easiest schedule remaining of any team in the NBA, they do have those hard matchups. The Milwaukee game is the next one for them. Then they'll go to Atlanta. Still have to play Cleveland, who will have a lot to play for later on this season. So we'll see how it goes. Brooklyn, they've got all their pieces now. They are still considered a championship favorite. I wouldn't count on them to lose many, if any, games from this point on. Charlotte just needs one, basically, if they can do their part, which will be difficult enough. But that's what we're looking at tonight in scoreboard watching. Rob Longo, thanks as always for another great edition of the HHC. Sam, I had so much fun. Why don't we do this again tomorrow? That sounds like a plan. Tomorrow we'll be previewing the Hornets matchup against the New York Knicks as they set sail on a three-game road trip. Till then, for my broadcast partner tonight, Rob Longo, and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.